1: Where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, age successfully, making your second half of life even better than the first. Most of us want to live a long, productive life, yet we unknowingly give away about 10 years of healthy living, our health span years. We know this, says longevity expert and renowned educator Scott Fulton, based on data gathered from hundreds of millions of people. We don't hear a lot about it, Scott says, because the things that promote longevity aren't deeply rooted in consumer anti-aging products or retirement resorts, but rather in simple accessible lifestyle choices. In today's episode, Scott, a researcher, innovator, and engineer by training, talks about how millions of us could easily live healthy lives to age 95 with just some basic education on how interconnected our bodies are with our lifestyle choices and our environment. No pills or potions, just informed natural choices, resulting in both immediate and sustainable benefits. Scott will explain how people can reverse engineer the life they dream of, improve the quality of life today, and achieve additional healthier years in the future by balancing what he calls the five pillars of longevity success, MEDIC for short, which stands for mind, environment, diet, exercise, and community. Scott is also the founder of Home Mediations, a sustainable design education and consulting company, and he'll describe his dynamic adult education courses the Longevity Advantage and wealth span a balanced investment approach to both health and wealth. He's also chair of the National Aging Place Council, an organization dedicated to helping seniors remain safely in their home for as long as possible. And his role is particularly timely since next Monday marks the beginning of the annual Aging Place Week, starting October 10th. Ultimately, longevity isn't about doing one right thing or about perfection, nor is it just for the chosen few, Scott says. Longevity is available to almost all of us. So with that in mind, it's time to meet today's guest, Scott Fulton. Scott, welcome to the
2: show. Ron, it's uh, great to be with you finally today and uh, to join with your guests. Thanks very much for having me on. It's an honor.
1: You're quite welcome. Just delighted to have you. So Scott, you are another, what I call a multi-hyphenate researcher, innovator, entrepreneur, educator, pragmatic engineer. Um, and, and you're, you're today, you're, you, I talk about you as a longevity authority and healthy aging advocate. Um, so let's talk about, a little bit, though. Let's get a little ba- uh, back story for you as to how you got to this stage.
2: Yeah, it's uh, maybe it's a, a attention deficit disorder <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that still remains undiagnosed. But I think it goes back uh, really to my youth. Right? Some things all of us get imprinted on us surprisingly early in life, and it um, doesn't necessarily find its way into the conscious mind, Mm -hmm. and certainly uh, rarely into our career at any point. But uh, yeah, I I think for me, um, I had the combination of a grandmother who had a tremendous influence on me, and I found that with a number of physician uh, colleagues, a, a similar story. And I also had at the same time a, a young friend who was disabled, and I kind of got a, wow. an early look into what uh, what those challenges look like early in life. So, which of course most of us start to worry about when we get older. So that was really the start of it, and a a very um, a long and varied career that mm-hmm. took me through a lot of places that um, I guess a lot of people wouldn't get to see. But also, I just had the uh, I became the uh, the expert that got parachuted in and you know, across the country, and by noon I needed to figure out what the problem was and who were the key players that, uh, right. that could help me uh, d- define what the the challenge was and what the opportunity was to move forward. So yeah, yeah. that's kind of the uh, the real high level uh, look, at least at how how the the seed got planted. Right. Initially.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I think it does help to have a, you know a lot of different takes on this because. You know, longevity, long and healthy life involves a lot of components. So, it probably, you got informed from lots of different perspectives, and I think that's that's kind of essential to to seeing it. um, So, um, I'm going to get into some of your perspectives and some of your views on on health span. Uh, But I I thought first I would just uh, since it is we're on the uh, eve of uh, National. Aging in Place Week. Uh, Talk a little bit about the National Aging Place Council and your role as chair and what you're trying to do and what you're trying to, uh, because this is part of your role as educator. I know this is, you have have really a passion for education. So explain this part of it to me.
2: Well, so National Aging in Place Council um, is a group of um, uh, service professionals primarily spread across almost every state in the country. Um, in some places, there are local chapters, but we have national members who, uh, who are across the country, who kind of all find different ways of working together. And generally, it's 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 a series of of uh, or groups of experts aligned around one mission that is provide much better opportunities for people to remain in their homes and mm. and and all the services that go with it. And, and so that's really they all provide an education around their specific area of expertise, whether it's a an elder law attorney saying, you know, we should start these sort of things now, we can do some other things, let's plan to come to that in 10 years. It's the people who look at um, what are the home modifications to, uh, to get you set up for success. Um, it's the home care workers who are providing some, kind of some service, whether it's rehab, um, you know, all the different scenarios that you can imagine, call upon a number of different services. So what National Aging in Place uh, Week is really about is to try to raise up the awareness because that's what we find is it's just a lack of awareness. People don't know the right questions to ask and so it just puts some things forward. We bring some experts in to uh, to make available to to the public and certainly to members to get a uh, some insights into some real experts on this and really develop the thinking so it's a constant um, continuing education um, for both consumers and for uh, professionals who are trying to figure out how can I do better in my market how can I how can I raise the level of my service how can I you know start to work with others because generally aging in place it's um, it's not just one thing right we, we right and so right. as soon as you get a team coming in who now knows oh, you should also look at, at this, and I know someone who can help you out with that. Right. That all kind of come from a similar background. They've all been vetted um, versus, you know, the old days of looking through the yellow pages. Right, um, right, right. right. It, it really
1: and, and there there are, there are um, chapters around the country, right, that people can, you know, so they're local experts. I mean, I'm here on Long Island, but they're they're. What, there are like about 14 or 15 chapters around the country now? Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right. A number of chapters. and The the difference there is, as you would know, as a chapter, you have a cluster. Mm -hmm. Kind of the way I think of them as clusters of experts who form their own kind of mini networks of of, uh, professional colleagues working together. Um, They tend, chapters tend to have speakers come in, again, to help educate their members and new members in particular around all the different aspects of of the type of services that people need, um, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, and the, and the, we have a a monthly chapters call where all the chapters uh, reps come together and they they kind of share what are the learnings, what are the activities going on. So again, that gets leveraged across the country. So the idea is just there's a tremendous amount of learning that happens just by people talking about what. What they're doing, what's working well, what are the challenges? Right. Someone else will raise up. Well, we had that, and here's how we t- went at it right. and, uh, right. yeah. and what our experience was.
1: Yeah. So it's naipc.org. Is that right? Was that the? Okay.
2: Good. Or is that, sorry, it's National Aging in Place. Uh, so oh. Aging in Place. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. But I have to remember we have a public facing website. Right. We have a member <laughs> member based right. website. That's right. That's website. Right. All sorts of ways to confuse it. But uh right. or just if you search NAIPC for National right. Agent Place Council, that generally will get you to Right, uh, but to it's right
1: agentplace.org, Go. right. Okay, for the public. Yeah. 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 It's certainly, you know, a critical service that involves a lot of dimensions. And, you know, it's it's where most of america heads you know um uh, depending on the the survey you look at um you know you uh, between 75 and 80 percent of people when you ask them when they're 50s and 60s do you want to age in place they say yes that's what i i prefer to age as long as possible in my my current home obviously in some cases they may have to transition to some other community but that's what they'd like to do and the the. The problem is as you point is educational well how do you do that what do you what do you need to do that and one of the things uh, so one of your uh, many capacities is your um, home uh, dot, or, dot com, right so th- the first thing is to make sure your home is safe and comfortable you know as you need more you know assistance uh, as you get older so talk let's talk, let's start with that talk about what you do with that your firm.
2: Sure. So that's really kind of how how I officially came into it when I left uh, the uh, the top floor of the executive suite of a uh, the executive level of a uh, multinational corp mm-hmm. was I said, I want to do something kind of more community focused that uh, where I saw a huge community need. And so that was really, uh, so I formed uh, Home Ideations and it's really, so Ideations comes out of anything around innovation starts with ideation, which is that what's the idea or what's the problem we're trying to solve and what are the different issues around it? What, are the, what, what, what what have people tried and not tried and how do you bring different perspectives to it? So that's just in my nature, having done research innovations for uh, for decades. And so that was really to look at saying, how do we how to create much better opportunities for everyone um, and particularly for those, you know, I, I started out with saying, well, what can I do for the ones who clearly have the ability, but just don't even know what to do. Right. So they're not resource constrained. Um, and so just start to look at the group who clearly could and should be doing much better because they don't have those constraints. And I was shocked by, by um, what a gap there was in terms of understanding and most kind of are in the reactive mode and, And so really, I took the position of what if we got proactive and we found people who were interested in being proactive minded and wanted the best, but didn't want to have to pay the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that was really the idea of kind of sitting with homeowners and saying, okay, you know, and often a couple who who don't necessarily want the same outcomes say, okay, what would you like? And what would, you know, the other partner like? And then, so how do you bring that that idea into something that they can both get uh, excited about, and then put together a plan of saying, "Okay, well, let's do this, and followed by this, and followed by this." So the idea they have a project or a series of projects, and in the course of doing that, they're going to learn so much more, and they're going to have the time to make really good decisions and tailor everything just the way that they like, and it just became a very natural process for them once I just got them started, and so that was really. Of where I started and then mm-hmm. just kind of took off from there. So that's really the, the process of home ideations is how do you create the space well in advance of needing it? And when I say in advance, like 10 years, mm-hmm. thinking about retirement, this has to be part of your retirement plan proactively, just the way you've been investing for your whole life. You want to be investing in your retirement plan early as well.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately, I guess some of that comes upon people just like a lot of things as we get older in a crisis situation. And, you know, yes, it can be done, but, but uh, that's not the best way to do it. And often, as you point out, if you do it planning this way, you avoid the crisis altogether. I mean, I think one of the issues, especially as we get older, as we talk about, you know, we just came through, so I guess September was fall prevention month, you know, and that's one of the things that, uh, You know, that that is a reality as we get older. You know, we can certainly keep in shape. um, And I know that uh, you've been able to keep in shape. Um, um, uh, And so why don't we just transition actually as we talk about that to your notion of health span. Uh, combining, you know, health and wealth as you get older. This is now. You have a course on this, right? You, that you a couple of different courses. That
2: you- yeah, yeah. I've been teaching at University of Delaware has a continuing uh, education uh, school there, which has been great to uh, develop the the course content and nothing like a uh, class full of students looking back at you with their heads tilted. Huh. What are you talking about? <laughs> It it, uh, it keeps you honest and uh, and is really helpful and ask questions around things that you maybe hadn't given enough thought to. So, um, so so generally, it's, uh, I started with a course on aging in place, thinking, oh, well, that was because they'd asked if I would do that, knowing kind of where I came from, and um, and then that quickly involved in or evolved into really the health span and longevity education because the home environment is just one piece of a much bigger puzzle that we're all trying to right. solve. Right. Right. But it's the obvious one. Well, there's things that it's always, you know, control the things you can control. You can control a lot of things about your home environment that people don't, don't really uh, think to do. So, so that's really it, it. And I, again, I'm used to working with a lot of uh, really top level experts. And so I started to bring in a lot of experts from different um Uh, different areas. And so that, uh, you know, got into the, the, you know, getting doctors involved and scientists involved. So it quickly grew into the health span kind of focus of really how do we keep active and productive um, for as many years as as we want and put it start to start to feel like we actually have control over this. And as a a data researcher, um, I was shocked by kind of untapped potential that's uh, at our fingertips if we only knew uh, some some simple things to, yeah. to do. Well,
1: so for, give me some examples of that. So, but what sorts of things are we talking about, Scott?
2: Well, so so one of them would be, and I'll go to The boring one is exercise. Right, we were all told in elementary right. school what exercise does. So we understand now what exercise actually does at the molecular level or at the uh-huh. cellular level. Wow. yeah. You know, so why does it when you go for a walk that it that every day what's actually happening inside your body that actually produces a positive result. Um, So, and if I get a little bit of of intensity into there, why that's so much better in terms of releasing nitric oxide and why that's so important to our blood vessels and to keep our Mm -hmm. blood vessels young. So so that would be just one that we've we've started to work at connecting the dots of things that we've known, but didn't really have very good data around. And so exercise, that's one eye, Kind of fell into in my forties. Uh, that was mm. my midlife crisis. Right. I, just, I discovered a, uh, the the power of exercise, and so that's really been an area, one of the areas I've I've really developed personally over the last uh, twenty years or so.
1: Right. Yeah, that's one area that I think that people sort of they let drop off, but don't realize that you can pick up with uh, a lot of gusto, and that um, you know, I know that um, certainly I do um, some webinars for the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, and one of them is just called um, healthy living for your brain and body which is not so much about Alzheimer's but things that that you can do to that that may um you know uh, lessen the risk factor of alzheimer's but but exercise is certainly one of them you know that it provides uh, you know much needed blood to the brain as well as other parts of the body so it's uh it is an interesting thing and I think that if I, I think I recall that um, meeting somewhere that you also started doing, uh, you know, like marathons or you started doing endurance work as well later on, right?
2: Yeah, in my 40s, uh, my, my midlife crisis was I went and got a convertible, except my convertible was a two-year, t- or a 2 wheeled pedal version.
1: Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh,
2: so I biked a lot as a kid. I just biked everywhere I went. That's just what life was where I lived. Right. And so, um, yes, and I just found myself cycling with people who were training for ironman triathlons i knew nothing about triathlon or mm-hmm. what it what it or marathons or anything and so by the time i had turned 50 i had done a couple of ironmans i'd done some mm-hmm. marathons and it would it had really uh, informed me about a lot of things about uh, about myself uh, but also about kind of health and and the the value of being in a community of healthy minded people and the support that that brings and the motivation it brings right and yeah, it's uh, so that was the, uh, the that that was the start of it all um, to really kind of find right. my limits.
1: Right. Another aspect of physical longevity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago and she started doing uh, running in her late 40s and then she started doing uh, triathlons in her uh, mid 50s. So seems to be a very positive trend. Um, uh, and uh, you know, uh, we're going to continue a little bit on this uh, vein because I like to learn more about uh, just some of the things that you've talked about in terms of uh, having access to information. you sort of talked about in terms of knowing what what happens to us on a on a physical molecular level. but but what you know being able to uh, take control of the information and and learn more about you know your particular body and bodies in general. Um, to you know take more control over your your health over a longer period of time um, so i'm gonna i'd like to talk a bit of that as one but first we're going to take a short break scott so um i just want to mention to folks uh, listening that um, uh, we're going to be coming back with much more from scott Fulton the you know, longevity expert and advocate uh, so don't go away we'll be right back <music>
0: A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Bravehearts Radio Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere. Does good everywhere.
3: Want to play the ponies and win?
0: You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward.
1: Welcome back, folks. We're talking today with longevity expert and healthy aging advocate, Scott Fulton. Uh, Before the break, we were talking with Scott about uh, his notion of health span and how we can, there, there's just a, the opportunity these days to really learn a lot more about health and how it affects yourself personally and, and how you can use technology in that capacity. So Scott's done a lot of work in this area. So I wanted to ask him you know, to talk a bit more about that.
2: It, yeah, it, um, so, so there's, uh, all of us know, I think there's way more information or access to information today. If, if you turn on your computer and you go on the internet, then clearly most of us do that. Um, and that's good and it's bad that the it's good in terms of there's lots of information. The hard part is filtering through it, uh-huh. uh, both from the quantities, the sheer quantity, like there are thousands of, our, of studies published daily around health. Even if you're plugged into the networks, like, uh, like most of us in kind of the education field are, but there's also a lot of people out kind of trying to sell something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I've said, I'm, I'm just going to focus on education because I think that's, you can't do it justice if you're trying to push a product. Right. Right. So so generally we want to look at what are the areas. So kind of you mentioned earlier the the medic, the mind environment, diet, exercise, and community. Right. So I really kind of take people down a path of trying to figure out, well, you don't need to look at them all at once. Uh, you don't need to get the answer by five o'clock today. Life <laughs> right. isn't going to change that fast. Um, finding where the biggest opportunities are where your passion is and the more you learn the more passion you'll generally get around something um, and if it's starting with something you're already good at that's fine obviously starting in areas where you have the most to learn um, may give you the best bang for your buck in terms of time but it's a um, it's really starting to i think the understand of, per, uh, of personal health right because mm-hmm. What makes the difference for most people is is that's fine to say you know most of us should be exercise I'll just use that 150 minutes of exercise a week we should all be doing that well what does that mean to me right that's mm-hmm. uh, that that's the, that's the disconnect that most people have and so as soon as we can do something that makes a connection between I'll just use the exercise example and me so as simple as having a smartwatch that starts to m- automatically log how much exercise you do in a week, which is great. And that's kind of what we think it's about. But it's also going to monitor your heart rate. And when I say heart rate, during exercise, your maximum, and your resting heart rate when you're sleeping, doing nothing. Um, It's going to monitor your heart rate variability. So just looking at those metrics alone, let's say it does nothing else, you're going to start to see changes in your health, in your health, by the activities that you choose to do. Right. And if you stop doing them, you see a difference, and then you'll discover you th- see things like VO2 max, which are an element, or a, a measure of your aerobic fitness, will start to change. And generally, in most, whether it's business, engineering, research, when we start to measure something, suddenly we see the connect, and right. that's usually what turns it on for us. And then it becomes very personal to both us. And now I start to feel like I'm in control of my health much more than I was by this arbitrary advice that some expert told me I should be doing.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. It's interesting how the measurement really does matter. It it really gives you a handle on things. I I always think back to, you know, uh, one of my childhood experiences with my, my older brother, when we were, um, uh, I think it was one summer we were at a beach and we were going to swim out to a raft, and uh, my brother said to me, we were, I think maybe I was 10 or he was a couple years older. And he said, do you think we can swim underwater to the to the raft? And I said, I don't know, maybe, you know. He said, well, why don't you try first? And I said, okay. And so I tried and I and swam and swam and swam and swam. And then I'm like, I panic and I, you know, come up, you know, and I'm like, you know, five feet short, you know. And then he went and then uh, he swam and he, he made it. And I said, well, how did you make it? He said, well, I looked at it and I tried to figure out how many strokes it would take. So I counted. <laughs> yeah. So um, that always uh, uh, became sort of a, a, a metaphor for me of a swimming to the raft. If you, if you can count and you can measure things, it was one you know, very concrete way to make sure you met your goals. So I think it's important in health, too. I think you're, that's, uh, you're pointing out an important thing um so let's talk a little bit more about um that in terms of of the courses you teach so that you have the longevity advantage and the um wealth span um uh, so to so talk about these two courses and you know and how people can find out about them and what they involve
2: Yeah, you know wealth span is more of a um uh, I, I refer to it as more as a speaking platform. Oh, okay. And so the difference there is um, I, I, get, uh, I get invited to speak to financial organizations primarily because what I've done is to, to look at, uh, again, the narrative of how do we communicate around health. And I've looked at it and again, because I'm on the outside, right. I get the benefit of looking in I, um, to say, well, why do we talk about health the way that we do? like we are kind of beating our heads against the wall. And if we shout louder, we think that things are going to change. (laughs) Right. And so I looked at the financial community as one example to say, how do they get people to invest early? Right. So I knew as a child, I remember I was, whatever age I was at, my mother took me into the bank to open a bank account. And I remember I had my hands up on the counter and holding my chin up so I could see the teller as I opened my bank account. That was how early it was. And I knew at that age, it was really good to get money in the bank because in those days you got interest, right? Um, and it compounded, and I knew then that it would add up over time. And so I said, "But why don't we talk about health that way? Right? We we know that people invest over time mm. because they're investing in a future that they want to realize." And so I said, "What if we started to talk about health in in that way, in terms of how the financial community talks about health?" And which is really, and again, I'll kind of go to the other end of the scale and say for someone who's a billionaire sitting on all the money, um, every one of them I've ever heard of would trade it all for their health Mm. in later years, right, which is because that's the true wealth. And so how do we merge the two into one conversation and apply the, the language and the learnings of investment over into a health conversation and relate with people in a way that they're already familiar with? rather than trying to beat them with, well, if you do this, you'll reduce your risk of heart disease by 40%. Well, that sounds good, but I don't know if I have heart disease and 40% of something I don't know
1: doesn't
2: doesn't really mean a whole lot. Right, right. Even if I have heart disease, I don't know what a 40% reduction is because I don't really know what my risk is because no one can tell me. Versus if I told you that if you did this, you will, in effect, uh, based on the data, add Two and a half more or five more years to your life into <clears throat> your in your healthy years. Okay, that's that's something I can get get my head around pretty simply. But we don't talk that way in health, right? Everything in health is around risk reduction, disease rates, and things. So so the wealth span is really trying to help people um, just find ways to think about their own health investments in a more productive and relatable way. Right. And then Longevity advantage is really what I've tried to take from the classroom at the university to leverage into courses, and, and that is still a work in progress. I've been consumed with so many um, requests and projects and things that um, that still uh, still needs to get transferred. I set up a studio long before anyone had heard of of uh, COVID,
3: uh-huh. um,
2: and just has been a a wonderfully busy time, super productive. I get uh, pulled into lots of lots of areas, but that, that's that's really the educational piece. And so right. I, I kind of say for most people in the meantime, you know, find me on LinkedIn, that's a great place. I think that's a great community where I try to every day provide a couple of things for people to right. think about right. and stimulate their thinking.
1: Yeah, I've, I've gone on to your LinkedIn account. You have lots of uh, interesting articles, observations, posts. Um, so I would encourage people to go on, check out your, your LinkedIn uh, site. Um, uh, one of the things you mentioned to me in terms of education is that, or, you know, engagement is that you're going to be speaking soon to a group of 150 doctors. So what is it that, that you think doctors need to know? And I, I know you've been thinking about it uh, for a while. You were on vacation, probably thinking about it on vacation. But uh, so, what do you think? What kind of conversation can you have with doctors from your perspective?
2: Yeah, it's it's so it's been interesting, right? So, what's this engineering business guy doing in the medical community? <laughs> right. And and I've asked myself the question, why do they care about what I think? Um, so, I joined the American College of Lifestyle Medicine a couple of years ago, and I've just been kind of shocked by you know, why they have any interest in anything I'm doing or have to say. <laughs> and it's been a, um, yeah, I've met some great doctors, um, again, part of, you know, who want to participate in the longevity education piece. That's clearly, you know, a place that, that means something to them. So, so again, I'm an outside-the-box thinker. As long, You can't be in longevity and not be thinking about a vision, right, because we've, we're talking about creating a right. vision of something in the future. Medicine is about reactive medicine. It's about treating what's in front of me today if I'm a physician or a, a nurse uh, or a uh, physician assistant. Um, and so, and that's historically been the case. We go back to ancient medicines, whether we're talking about ancient you know, Chinese medicine, the Greeks, the Egyptians, it's all reactive medicine of various approaches. We've got more pharmaceuticals today. Um, so what I try to talk to them about is what's the patient experience going to be? How do you connect with the patient while you've got them in a captive audience? What can you do with them in that limited time that you have available to help them move forward beyond simply the seven or 11 minutes that you have FaceTime with them to try to figure out in that limited time, what are the key vitals that and try to make sense of them. And so there's an element of the patient um, interaction but there's also, I think, the biggest change coming in the world of healthcare. Um, that's, I think, the most positive thing that's happening in our lifetime will be artificial intelligence. Companies are already positioned well right now. As one, one the other day, I was listening to you talk to 16 million um, food components or individual food all the components listed. Mm. Um, feeding into an artificial AI system, that's just one, that's just food. Now imagine we do all the other elements of lifestyle fed in, and we also get your genetic profile in terms of what -hmm. that history relates. All things that we try to do today with studies and meta-analysis where we put multiple studies together it's now take that times a million. Or if I said, the example I use is a football game with, we say, 11 players on the field, and we talk about the 12th player being mm-hmm. the, the fans. So to give you a perspective just on the food data alone, imagine all the fans at one, one Super Bowl game and how, how, how much of an impact that has. Now imagine that same game has all the spectators from every game all season long. Wow. There at once. That gives you a scale of the additional information that's going to come in uh, to to put in doctors' hands to, re- but it has to be resolved down. But what it will do is, like I said, with the with the smartwatch, for example, when you go for you know whatever your exercise is, this is what's going to ha- what's coming to primary care uh, will be personalized medicine based on your phenotype, your genetic mm-hmm. phenotype and all of the lifestyle habits that you have so we'll now start to move not into just a reactive mode but into a proactive mode so it you know we could potentially do this as young children profile and say okay mom and dad these are the things that you want to make sure that you do for your for your child Mm -hmm. you could look at as a young adult to say you're heading out on your own if i knew for example that i was predisposed to cardiovascular disease, despite what I may or may not know about my parents' history. But I knew now that based on that and in terms of my genetics and, the, and now what we know for certain about food, not the theories that people are debating loudly on the internet, right. to know that I could now start to manage that far more proactively and get measurement updates that are meaningful much earlier in the phase. So that's really when longevity and healthspan will take on a whole new uh, aura that it's never known before. We'll clearly be in charge of our own health at that point. Wow. Um, doctors are going to be far more resourced to be able to help us. So if, again, for those who want to be proactive and want health, um, it is, it's, it's going to be a really, really exciting time. And this is coming far faster than even the doctors have a clue of how fast it's coming. Yeah, that's early. what I
1: was going to ask you about is where are we on this trajectory? Would you say?
2: So I would say inside of 10 years, it's okay. going to be a totally different system than what, than what we think of in wow. terms of an experience going to, to our physician. And so when you're thinking about, have, have I got the right physician? I tell this to people anyway, like, if you don't if you're not with a proactive physician and, mm-hmm. um boy um i would put that kind of top of list you want to be choosing a proactive physician who's really going to be on top of this on top of it already right with what's right yeah. there with lifestyle inputs
1: yeah it's exciting a little a little intimidating but but uh you know i think it's largely pro- positive as you say i mean you know i think that you know as you go forward what what people feel in terms of anxiety is the unknown. So the more you, information you give them that they can control their future, I think that's something that, that's important to them and, and helps reduce the stress going forward. Um, well, I,
2: I'll just add to that, yeah. that that's kind of most people's initial reaction. And I'll tell you that that's exactly what it is when you get in your car to program, say, I want to go <laughs> from my driveway over to the next town over. It's going to figure out the traffic and all the risks that are there already. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where the lights are, where hazards are noticed, it's the same technology you use today, just applied to your body instead of your car. That should help relieve a lot of people's anxiety around it. Not anybody taking control over your body.
1: Right, right. Great, great. Okay. So, uh, again, we're going to take a quick uh, break, Scott. But just, we'll be back uh, very shortly, Uh, folks. We'll be back in a couple minutes with Scott Fulton, the longevity advocate and expert. So don't go anywhere. We we have a great last segment coming up.
3: Do you want to hear a show about football?
0: How about football
3: moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mack. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on
0: Voice America Variety. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward.
1: Welcome back, folks. We're talking to Scott. Fulton, longevity expert and healthy adv- aging advocate. Now, before I continue my conversation with Scott, I wanted to mention that you can find out more about him by going to my website, RoelResources.com, and clicking on the 45 Forward tab. And you can learn more about Scott's programs and services also by logging on to these websites, the www.longevityadvantage.com www.homeideations.com and www.wealthspan.com. That's W-H-E-A-L-T-H, wealthspan.com. And as we mentioned before, you'll also find um, some very entertaining um, posts on his LinkedIn site, um, his articles and reflections. And during the break, I was just talking to Scott about some of what I love about Scott is he's got he's a, he's got a very facile and, and broad-ranging mind in also sorts of areas, and you're a good writer too. So um, I was uh, looking at uh, one of your posts recently. I'm just going to read it quickly because I thought it, it says some very interesting things. So the, these were um, one day Scott posted 10 reflections on aging. I'm just going to read them quickly, folks. I think they're very interesting. Number one, everything changed when I discovered loving myself was foundational to truly living. The more I love more, stress less, and my career became a vehicle, not a goal. Two, I realize the world doesn't rest on my shoulders. I'm not that important. Three, I enjoy elders retelling stories and watching the romance in their eyes. Four, I learn differing values can provide peaceful teaching moments by just listening more and talking less. Five, I give more compliments and smiles freely and authentically. Six, changing the world with others is more rewarding and more productive. Seven, I'm not a rat and neither am I in a race. I'm living a journey into an inviting future. Eight, relationships are more important than my ego. It likes to be alone. I like community. Nine, today might be my last day. It's a great way to start every day. 10, I can't choose when some things might happen but I can always choose to do the right thing now. So I thought this, this was a really uh, interesting list, Scott, and uh, I just wondered if you had any reaction listening to it again now.
2: Yeah, as, a, as you raised it during the break, I was able to find it and get the list up in front of me here. It, um, Yeah, these things are always uh, composites of my own thoughts, other people's thoughts, um, mm-hmm. right? Because part of my goal is always how do you how do you bring ideas together to synthesize them for people, Um it's a, you know, I think you asked me at the start of uh, my kind of how I got involved. And I think a list like this says I've always been involved. Mm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell a story of, uh, uh, I think the one was, um, yeah, so n- number three there, I enjoy elders retelling stories and watching the romance in their eyes. So I'll tell you a short story of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, I was busy with work. I, was a, I had relocated across the country. I was a plant manager. For a uh, large chemical company, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, I, you know, the rush to get into work every day, um, I had to stop and, and get a coffee at the the local coffee shop, and decided I had a had a five minute to sit down and catch catch the headlines in the paper, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I can't remember. I think there was an empty chair that elderly gentleman sitting at the table, and asked if it was okay if I joined him. And um, he started to tell me the story of the housing project next door to me that used to be a hospital and that he and his wife had worked there for 40 years. They'd been married for over 60 years and his wife had passed and he was telling me about his children. And, of course, it was the classic. His wife had gone, his children were busy with their careers, and he still had a lot to say and and wanted to do more, but was kind of caught in a... um, in this island of isolation, um, still close to, you know, uh, living literally where he used to, his wife used to work. So he had stayed close to that. And it just, uh, I, don't know, I probably sat there for 40 minutes listening to him talk, and it, there was nothing was going to tear me away from that. It was just so beautiful to hear him tell his story. But also what I realized was, there was no bigger gift I could give to anybody that day, than just simply listening. It was. Uh, it just. It was a wonderful gift to be able to give to a complete stranger. I can't tell you his name. Um, doesn't matter. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, if I could remember. Right. That, and that's the, the connection with community. We. W- w- it's getting harder and harder to maintain that. Um, and so it's just a great example of. I think uh, we all need to stop and pause, long enough to, 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 to realize who do we connect with and why and continue to grow new connections in new and unexpected places
1: yeah yeah it seems to me that that is one of the lessons that has come you know out of the pandemic you know one of the if we can say positive things that comes out of it to recognize the importance of relationships and I think that uh, you know we kind of take them for granted and then once you're isolated it's like oh my god this is you know this is this is a, an issue, a problem, uh, and a health issue as well. I think uh, anything else that when you think about you know as we go through this pandemic, other lessons that that you think we've learned in, in terms of how it contributes to longevity or inhibits this or what?
2: Yeah, it it um, so so I'll, I'll give you kind of a maybe a positive and a negative is mm-hmm. you know I okay. would say that the negative you know, while everyone's caught up in polarizing. Uh, debates. Um, I would say the missed opportunity is this is the best opportunity for health, public health education mm. to come along in our lifetime. And we have collectively failed miserably at that. Um, you know, it's it's become such a reductionist approach of subject, right. everything's binary, and life just isn't binary, health isn't binary. Right. And so that's unfortunate. Um, but what I would say on the positive is, it has awakened um, health and a lot of people realizing that these other diseases that um, or risk disease risks that we have been alerted to. Mm-hmm. These are not trivial things. They, um, they've been going on for decades, likely before it ever became uh, detected, or we had a symptom. And, um, you know, and we have we flatline in terms of longevity in the US since 2010. Uh, Meanwhile, the rest of the world has continued to make gains in longevity and health span. Mm -hmm. And so that's nobody's problem but ours, like you and I, like this is an individual choices that we make, and we just aren't even aware of what what to do at this point. We've become so confused and so so numb. But clearly, it has reinvigorated a lot of people, and I'm certainly seeing a momentum shift in the positive, um, that once more people start to see others doing it, it starts to become easier for them to, to jump on board, uh, say, so if you look at the growth in the organic sector and the food sector. Um, it has It is the fastest growing sector in foods. Um, people are now starting to realize they do need to worry about these things that can't be detected, um, that, you know, that there is no testing to do uh, to find out what are the impacts of chemicals at low doses over 10 and 20 mm-hmm. years, and having worked as a pesticide uh, plant manager in the past, I would tell you, pay attention. This is not some marketing scheme. Um, this right. is real. Um, right. And, and well worth our time.
1: Right, right.
2: Yeah, I'd like to,
1: you know, I mean, the, the, your your ten, 10 things listed here, you know, is something that I found interesting because it, it's balance of things, you know, like today might be my last day. It's a great way to start every day. So it's a combination of really Balancing the immediate with the planning for the future that you can't predict but you need to plan for. Um, and I, I remember reading another one of your, your posts about mindfulness. And so it reminded me of that too, in terms of you know, you know, being being able to you know spend every day you know at in the present. Um, and uh, I think that a little while ago I was I, I had a guest on was talking about. You know, um, dementia patients and, um, you know, the fact that, um, you know, they, they live in the present, the immediate present all the time. And how that could be frustrating for us because we're living not in the present, <laughs> living in the past, and the future and everywhere. Uh, but that by actually just being with uh, them and, you know, acknowledging and basically in- enjoying that present with them, it was really a, a gift that we don't think about, you know. Um, so yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I use that when I look at the classic cancer case, kind of the movie story, okay. um, right. Where cancer patients sometimes kind of figure it out. Um, I, I had that on a very personal level. I lost one of my, uh, one of my dear brothers last yeah. fall. And, and I remember a year before that kind of standing face to face with them. And it was a total surreal moment of realizing uh, he'd had ten or eight years at that point to figure it out, and he had figured out life far beyond anything I ever will it, will hope to. Uh, and it meant it really, it really kind of hit home of the, this combination of living in the present, being present, but at the same time laying the groundwork for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people have a hard time sorting that out, but it's a boy, when you get it right, life takes on a just a whole new meeting. And it is a, it is a it is a humbling experience to be around people like that. And so I've really kind of really committed to try to learn from that, and try to apply it to, in, into my own life and and share what I can with people.
1: Right. Now, just go, you know, staying on that. for So you've done a lot, I'm sure you have a lot more on your plate. But as you think about your legacy, are there things that you still want to do in terms of what you want to accomplish for, you know, for yourself and for, you know, uh, for longevity for those after us?
2: Yeah, that's, that's a great question because it's all about legacy for most of us. And I think mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll reflect on uh, my oldest son is a uh, history professor at mm-hmm. um, a university in Canada. And we've talked about this very thing. And and I again, I love it when young people figure stuff out early. And for him, he said, it's the power of the written word. Like when you publish something, that will, that will outlive virtually everything uh, today. And I think you know, I've been trying to find time to get the first book done. And then I've got a number of chapters written. Um, so, you know, there's some work to do to, to get that uh, tied up still, uh, if I can find some time. So I think that will be if I said, what would be the one thing other than obviously the things that I'll want to uh, instill in my family? Um, which I think we all do, but I've I've committed to spend some time writing, you know, some different thoughts, a uh, very pragmatic approach to things that we can all do, and and I get this feedback with teaching. Thankfully, I get to right. come back to me and say, "Wow, I can't believe how much I've changed." Of course, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. In the middle of it, you don't know what who's absorbing what, right? And what they're yeah. going to—they don't know what they're going to do. So, right. yeah, yeah, I think that's really the the place I'm looking to.
1: Yeah, I think there is a lot of reward when you can actually see, you know, changes in people or, you know, changes in perspective. Um, well, I know there's much more to talk about, Scott, but I think we're going to basically have to leave it mostly there um, and invite you back for another day to, to have Act 2s for Scott. Um, but now, if people have questions for you, Scott, what's the best way to reach you again?
2: Um, I'd say LinkedIn is just, it's a great okay. community. They can okay. shoot me an email if they want to, uh, they can find it there or they can, uh, reach out to me through any of the websites that you, you mentioned. Um, yeah, it's, I say it's whether it's personal or corporate, uh, okay. I do more corporate, uh, activities these days, obviously, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, any way to, to promote health, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty quick to, to try to help.
1: Great. Great. So I'll just mention again, uh, you can find more about Scott and his various websites, the longevityadvantage.com, homeideations.com, and uh, wealthspan.com. And uh, once again, folks, uh, tell your friends if they missed my conversation with Scott today, they can still listen to it. as a podcast on voiceamerica.com. Just search for my show, 45 Forward. You can also find it app on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or go to my website, roboresources.com, and just click on the 45 Forward tab. So, folks, uh, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific time or 3 p.m. Eastern time, when I'll be talking with Kate, uh, Kim uh, Kester, the owner of 101 Home Mobility of Long Island. As we continue to celebrate National Aging Place Week, Kim will take a closer look at the kind of modifications and adjustments we can make in our homes to stay safe and comfortable. So until then, folks, keep moving forward. 45 forward.
0: Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Rowell for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.